What's up, y'all? Let's go. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Podcast. Follow me. Discover the latest social media marketing techniques from the world's leading experts. From top to bottom. This is the podcast where business professionals come together to master social media without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. With no further ado, turn it up. Here's your host, the one and only Neil Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Maximize Your Social. As you know from my recent podcast and my Instagram and what have you, I was recently traveling around the world and at the falcon.io Spark Conference, I had the chance, this was in Copenhagen, Denmark, by the way, I had the chance to meet someone that I have been engaging with in social media for several years and finally had a chance to meet this incredible person in person, pun intended. You know, I thought he he is such an amazing resource of information. He is a social media consultant similar to who I am and has been in the space as long as I've been. Some of you may know him because he used to be director of social over at the Next Web, Matt Navarra. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I am going to have you further introduce yourself uh, for the audience. And today we're going to talk about, now, I recently had a podcast about how fresh is your content. So this is going to be a little bit dated because it's the end of 2018, right? We're literally, you know, a week and a half away from Christmas. But what we talk about now, uh, even if you're listening to this a year or two from now, uh, I think we're going to be talking about some trends, some changes that are going to uh, be important for you to know well into the future. So advice for 2019, but it's advice for 2019 and beyond. So without further ado, Matt, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, please introduce yourself. My name is Matt Navarro, as we said, and I'm, I used to work for the next web as a director of social. Uh, I was involved in heavily in creating social strategy for the editorial team and our big event that we run every year, which has about 20,000 people that come to it in Amsterdam. And prior to that, I used to be social uh, sort of management really and strategy for the UK government in the cabinet office and various other departments. Um, but now I am a social media consultant and I work with uh, the United Nations, BBC, uh, various other kind of big brands you may recognize uh, and get to go to some great events and meet people like Neil. Awesome. Well said, Matt. Um, <laughs> it was a pleasure uh, pleasure uh, getting to know you as well. Although at the after after party, uh, we sort of got separated. But anyway, we'll get caught up next time. Um, so, Matt, let's first begin. We're at the end of 2018. You know, let's wrap up the year. What what did you see uh, when you work with your clients? Where were the areas that you found it found yourself sort of shifting focus on uh, over, over the last twelve months? So the big thing that most people are talking about at the moment is really moving away more than ever from focusing on Facebook pages and 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 also just pages and profiles in general. And it's that trend of people wanting to understand the value and how to leverage the value from stories as a format, which is not new per se. As we know, it's been around for some time now but the format has grown in in creative options um, and ways that people can use it for both businesses and for themselves individually so a lot of questions from clients for me has been around around the stories area um, and also like trying to understand you know what is the value in using Facebook pages with this shift towards uh, uh, stories from from them as, a, as an organization with all of their apps you bring up a really really interesting uh, point to talk about which is stories so do you feel you know, looking at the broad landscape of brands that are out there, including your clients, but 
Uh, I'm going to guess that still stories, especially on Facebook, is still extremely underutilized by brands. Is that a, a correct assumption? Yeah, I think that people are still um, sort of treading uh, carefully with how they use stories on Facebook and not wanting to maybe invest heavily in it on, on the basis that notoriously Facebook has been unreliable in terms of removing or adding features and uh, getting you to kind of engage and uh, create stuff for something that then suddenly they don't realize, don't think works anymore. Or they don't want to do it anymore. So I think that's part of it. I think also so the, the, there's a bit of uh, the lack of understanding of whether there's a difference between Instagram stories and Facebook stories and if you should be doing the same thing on both or different and how they're different. So there's confusion there as well. But, but I think, yeah, that you'll see probably, I think, in the early parts of 2019, an increasing number of brands starting to uh, really jump into to the uh, Facebook stories as much as, as anywhere else. So let's get into sort of the nuts and bolts of stories. So, you know, I, I think that brands still struggle with what I call visual voice or visually representing themselves, especially on a platform like Instagram. And I think that stories obviously requires a heck of a lot more creativity and uh, a more refined way of, of how do you want to visually represent your brand. So, I, you know, I consider stories the absolute most challenging type of medium for brands. How do you help brands tackle, you know, creating a, a, a visual content strategy uh, around stories and actually building out that content? Well, the first thing is that you know, there's you don't always have to do it all yourself, and sometimes I think um, brands and uh, both small and large organisations try and do everything themselves, um, and uh, hope that their their social team have the skills and and also the creative ideas to do it themselves on their own. There's huge numbers of people that are set up just to create content, whether it is because they're an influencer and they they're a content creator that does this with lots of brands, or it's with through an agency. So I always sort of check to see you know who are they using to create their content and. and where the kind of sort of skills deficit is or the creativity gap is. Um, I think um, that uh, the other thing with stories is, is a bit like you're saying, it, they, they can, can be a, such a wide range of creative options with them. It sometimes can be par paralyzing in terms of what to do next with it. Um, but actually, most of the tools for, for story creation, particularly with, with Instagram stories, is pretty straightforward once you get an understanding of how to best use them. They're quite easy to kind of play around with. Um, and I think that uh, some of the best stuff that's created is often um, the, the simplest and the little things that look more most authentic it's not a, a medium that needs to be polished i think the more polished it is the less authentic it becomes and that's when it kind of loses its value i think yeah well said any uh and i totally agree that you know keep it simple and you know think like a, a average social media user would think and you can still create a compelling story but that being said you know you you look into the app store and you start seeing all these tools that say you know we will help you create instagram stories are there any specific tools that you recommend or do you think really through instagram you know through facebook it can all be created uh, well natively well, yeah, there are hundreds and hundreds of uh, video or image editing apps, both on desktop and uh, on your phone. But but I think for, for most brands, this, you know, maybe exclude for the moment, like the larger, you know, the Nikes of the world and companies that have huge resources. But your, your everyday smaller, medium sized companies can perfectly cope with the, the native tools that are available to them or just any sort of general editing app. Because most of the things you want to do is capture what's going on uh, or, and, and then create something either on desktop to 
sort of finesse it and polish it or to then use the features that are within within Instagram itself. Um, so I don't think it requires specific apps. I think the thing that sometimes is most useful beyond just the creation aspect of it is the the analytics side of things. And, and that's one area that I've always felt that Instagram stories and, and a lot of the platforms lack a, a really good analytics dashboard for users natively. And so there's several products like Del Mondo is one that comes to mind. Um, and I think even there's about two or three others that are out there that have a very deep uh, social analytics product for for stories. So I th- and that's the thing, you know, you could spend ages creating something, but does it actually work? Does it actually encapsulate what you're trying to do as a brand and what your audience wants to engage with? So analytics are as important as the creation aspect of it. Sure, sure. Well said. Final note for those of you uh, that don't know, uh, Matt, can you talk about swipe up feature in Instagram stories and Facebook stories and sort of minimum requirements that brands need in order to be able to get access to that. It's, it's something I still get asked about it. And I'm, I'm sure it's something that brands and I look for the ROI, obviously they look at impressions, but another thing they do look at, uh, I'm assuming, uh, depending on the campaign are clicks. So, uh, you want to, uh, you know, give a little brief uh, overview of that. Well, at the moment, the swipe up on Facebook stories is is very much uh, luck if you've got it because it's only available to some people. And it's, I think it's not many. They're still testing it. I, I can't see it be long before everybody gets the ability or there'll be a criteria that will be rolled out for everyone to potentially have access to the link feature. It works slightly differently, but uh, effectively, it's the same sort of idea with Facebook stories. Um, with the um, Instagram um, stories, it's uh, you have to have um, either your verified profile or your a, um, a converted to a business profile, but I think you have to have over 10,000 uh, followers before you can actually use Swipe Up. I need to just check that. I'm pretty sure it is 10,000 for, for business accounts only. Yeah, no, I, I'm of the same understanding. Based on, I'm, I'm just curious, based on campaigns, I have a personal account, by the way, that's not verified and I've yet to shift to a business account for various reasons. So I do not have access to that Swipe Up feature, but based on you know brands that you've worked with, have you seen really, really positive numbers in terms of percentage of fans or of impressions that actually swiped up and and went and and did an action yeah, I think, you know, if you're trying to generate uh, Instagram stories as a traffic driver and for you know publishers are notoriously desperate to kind of pull people back to their sites for, for ad revenue from content they've created. And from that point of view, Instagram stories and the stories format isn't really geared towards publisher traffic. But in terms of brands and creating uh, an action off of the back of uh, whether it's selling you know sneakers or whether it's uh, getting them to view other pieces of content you've done, you know, it, it's as successful if not more so than many other formats that you can use. It all comes down ultimately to how creative you've been in kind of steering people towards swipe up. Also um, giving them a reason, in a motivation, a desire to want to see what it is that you need them to do to take that next action. So it's really, it's the classic stuff back to, you know, to marketing is creating the desire, making it easy to do, giving them something that they can't get somewhere else, all of that stuff and and making the call to action, you know, really uh, enticing. But, But yeah, you know, many of the brands I've work with and many case studies you can easily find if you look up online where swipe up is is very effective and i think one of the things we were talking about with things happening next year that will might change how people use swipe up is that you know instagram is building in the e-commerce kind of shopping functionality within the product within the app uh, more natively so a lot of the time at the moment it's swipe up to view the product elsewhere and buy something whatever now it's going to be much more within the platform within the product of instagram's app itself and i think that's going to make a significant uh, positive impact for for many brands. Indeed, indeed. So let's now shift to 2019. And obviously this trend of stories and of 
shifting away from the traditional, you know, Facebook page posts because of the lack of visibility, I'm, I'm sure is only going to continue and, and, and accelerate. Um, let's start from the opposite. So obviously, we've all pulled the plug on Google Plus. And if you were smart, you would have pulled the plug probably a year or two ago, because it really uh, didn't have that, 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 you know, that, that community that, that it had in its early days. Um, what's your take on Pinterest? I'm curious, because obviously, Pinterest is trying to make itself more relevant. They've opened up their API to influencer marketing platforms. Do you see that going anywhere in 2019? Or is it still a platform that you stay away from? It, to be fair, and I'm completely honest, it's a platform that I do very little with, both personally and uh, professionally for for clients, and and that's mo probably linked partly because my clients tend to be uh, media publishers with some of the smaller startups that I work with as well. Um, sure. But it's uh, but I, I I know from speaking to fellow freelancers and digital experts who work with many other brands that Pinterest uh, can be extremely um, powerful and, and and very useful in terms of their particular product. You know, if they've got quite a lot of inventory where they've got a lot of things they can show. Or they've got great content which they can all put together because you know Pinterest's main uh, selling point is that ability to create themed boards around topics or products or or, or interests and things. And there isn't many sort of platforms that have such a similar functionality. I think Facebook has sort of taken away some of the best bits of it and, and in integrated into some of its apps, but it does have its place to pay. But but in all honesty, from from my experience, I haven't got a huge amount of people asking me about it. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. And I think the other thing, for those of you who couldn't figure it out, obviously Matt is based in the UK. Uh, you should have known that by the accent. And Pinterest is one of these social networks that really is still America-centric. It really has not gained the popularity outside of the United States like other social networking apps. So I think that's another uh, difference that we see. So uh, yeah, I mean, Pinterest is not top of mind for for most social media marketers here in the United States as well. Uh, it's just interesting, their, their recent push to try to make themselves more relevant. But I guess if you're listening, you'll have to experiment, find what's what's right for your brand. I know that at times Pinterest, I mean, still generates traffic for my media site, Maximize Social Business. So it's always sort of out there as, uh, you know, it's something I should be investing more time, less time. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, but uh, no clear answer there. You'll have to you have to keep experimenting, see how it changes. But let's let's move on to the, the, uh, the, the major networks, obviously, looking ahead to 2019. What are some of the, you know, two or three leading trends that you see that uh, brands should be focusing on now for the next year? Well, the things that are improving that um, I've been waiting to, to see get better and, and they make it easier for brands to, to play around with is, is things through messaging. Um, and one of the big shifts in how people are using social media in the last sort of 18 months, and I think it's going to be accelerated in the next year or two, is is the use of private sharing and, and groups. And so what we're noticing with, with Facebook particularly being the dominant player in the market is that um, they're really sort of trying to focus people's attentions to, to their messaging apps, which is why you may have noticed that um, products to do with uh, WhatsApp and, and Messenger have had a, a lot more functionality added, um, and there's been a redesign of Messenger recently, and they've opened up and added functionality around its messaging capability for businesses, for both WhatsApp for business and for Messenger um, with bis business functionality as well. Uh, and the reason the part of this change is going on, I should explain as context really, is that people have come up to the point now where they want to shift their sharing of public stuff to somewhere where it's more private and secure. So part 
of the reason why social media sharing uh, behaviors are changing is that I think people are more aware and conscious of the implications of um, their sharing and and who's seeing it and privacy concerns. Um, and also, um, I don't think that people feel the need anymore to share so much in their lives. I think the novelty of that from the early parts of uh, when social media came on is, is, is disappeared. So we're seeing huge growth in those things, but it provides a very unique challenge to businesses and brands because if people are not sharing out some of the stuff you're doing in a public place where they can um, uh, analyze what people are interested in or how much of their content um, is being discussed and used, then it makes, um, and they're putting it into private groups, then you have a really big challenge of like dark social as to what, what are people doing and how, how are they using it and how successful is your campaign been? And then you need to start thinking about how are you going to create brand ambassadors or evangelists for your brand that you may not see at, at work, but these sort of influential and sometimes micro-influential people are going into these private groups and sharing content into them. And so I think we'll start seeing a lot more next year around the messaging apps and, and a lot more of a shift away to worrying about pages and Facebook pages. So this is a classic example example of there's really no business product available. I mean, limited business products available. When I compare a Facebook Messenger WhatsApp with a WeChat in China or a Lion in Japan, I know that that's not your your focus of expertise, but um, I, I agree 100% that, that we see the user shift, obviously, but I think that we're going to see more and more business functionality added because I think that uh, uh, Facebook is very aware of what's happening in these Asian apps that really have brought Messenger uh, and everything all together and are offering businesses various services to be able to engage with people through those, those private messaging apps. So um, I think it's going to be an exciting year. But yeah, just understanding that paradigm shift is important for brands. And it's, I know, very frustrating, right? When people are spending less and less time in the public areas and more and more private messaging, brands are sort of, you know, they're they're outside that. It's it, very, very hard to get involved. So that's going to continue to be a challenge. Um, and I love your idea of using uh, ambassadors. And I'm you know, a big fan of influencer marketing per se, but uh, of trying to use other people to uh, to help influence those, those groups. So messaging, what else do you see uh, on the horizon for brands? Um, I think also uh, we've seen this big rise in the last uh, 12 months, particularly this year, in, in voice assistants like Google Assistant and Alexa. And, and that's got kind of a, an unknown quantity of potential, I guess, for brands and businesses and publishers, because there is a very unique and, and specific medium being voice and also the, the smart element. You have to start to think much more creatively again around how can you use that as as a brand and as a business, because it, it's not something where people can kind of, they're at a website and then they can click through and read something. So I think it'd be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of how brands will integrate um, any form of advertising or social outreach using uh, products like Google Assistant. Um, and it, whether there's any way for them to, to monetize it, because I know that publishers are now trying to put ad breaks within like uh, audio podcast kind of material on assistance and making it easy for you to subscribe to get information. So things that I could imagine going on, you could see a brand, say, uh, I don't know, Walmart or something where the, if you're a Walmart customer and you kind of synced up to some of your smart devices and then you're low on certain products or you've got a shopping list you've created and you've said, hey, Google, you know, remind me to get milk or whatever, that it will connect through to your Walmart account and then you can say I need to get some and it'll maybe when you walk in from from work one day hey you need this you need that do you want me to order it yes please Google that'll be great and it orders the product and how those integrations with those brands both big and small will, will play out in the next 12 to 18 months so if you're a brand listening to this podcast and you want to get 
uh, obviously, this is something that, w- that that is still in talk, still being developed. But without a doubt, I, I agree that that's sort of the next frontier of, of advertising. Uh, how do you get involved? Is it a matter of contacting people at Google, contacting people at Amazon, contacting people at Apple? I mean, wh- are there companies that specialize in that? Or what, what is your advice for, for companies that want to sort of, you know, start creating a strategy around those changes in the future? Well, it's, it's some of it's pretty obvious stuff, you know. Certainly, what re- wide reading around the um, the you know industry press, you know, I'm a big follower of Digi Day. Um, you know, I read things like Tech TechCrunch right the way through to kind of the tech um, parts of mainstream uh, newspapers as well. So that's always a good place to keep on top of uh, what p- other people are doing, and 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 also advertising and marketing uh, trade press is pretty interesting to see because you'll see brands uh, doing things are uh, you know at the cutting edge of, of tech. So that's one thing. Um, in terms of uh, uh, Using it, the products it also helps because some of the things that I just realize, I only realize because I'm using them every day, not because I'm getting tipped off or I've got a special sources. It's I'll be suddenly <laughs> listening to something and I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't realize that could do that or people are allowed to do that on that platform. So that's another part of it. And then also exploring um, the different site product sites. And there's as soon as you start digging into the world of kind of Google and, and, and the products uh, like forums and communities that they have and tester groups, you're suddenly quite quickly discover the various um, pieces of uh, locations on their sites where you can sign up to test things or you can uh, get in, involved with partnership management and with the different companies making these products for you to then use them yourselves for, for your brand. Interesting. That's great advice. Thank you very much. Well, Matt, for listeners, you know that I like to try to keep these podcasts Short and sweet, although uh, like in Copenhagen, Matt and I could probably talk about the future of social media. We could spend hours, uh, but we, we do want to keep this short and sweet, Matt. Any uh, any final thought or theme that you want to touch upon that we haven't chatted about yet that you want to make sure our listeners are, are aware of for the next 12 months? The only thing that really excites me, and I think maybe next year is too far away, but this will make for interesting looking back on it in two years' time, if anyone listens to this podcast, is is really where AR and VR are going. And I think it's for a long time people have hoped or thought that VR was going to be the big thing and it was going to be a big game changer for both how people interact with each other, but also how brands uh, communicate with with their potential customers and things. And what we've seen so far is that VR still seems to be the, the preserve of, of the ultra geeky type of people like me, I guess, um, and uh, and the costs are pretty inhibitive. The content created of them is quite uh, small. Um, but AR really is the place where it's getting more interesting and exciting now. We've we've already seen apps where it, uh, they've actually started to become useful, where your phone can actually measure something for you as a measuring tape, or you can use Google Maps and it'll overlay uh, a directional arrow in front of the kind of place where you're walking on top of the actual video footage, you know, using the camera of your of your device. And so I think for the next year. AR is something that will grow in interest and use, uh, on, particularly on Facebook, who have uh, AR ads, which are now available to some brands. Um, but it's a question of whether that's the stepping stone to VR. I think maybe next year it'd be too early for VR to, to go places yet. Interesting. Always a buzzword. Uh, so thanks for chiming in. And Matt, um, thank you so much for, uh, you know, investing 20 minutes of your time in this podcast. I know that our listeners are very appreciative of it. Uh, finally, how can our listeners uh, you know, find you, find out more about you? Best place to find me is where I hang out most of the time, and that is uh, on Twitter. So I'm at Matt Navarro on Twitter. Or if you go on Facebook and you search for The Social Media Geek Out, you'll find a Facebook group called The Social Media Geek Out, and that's where that's I right. have a, a gang of people just like me if this is your thing. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I need to remind myself to get back into your group. So thanks for that reminder. Uh, Matt, thanks again. 
I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. At, you know, we're at the end of the year. We look for the next year. And, and Matt is one of these few people that's really at, really has his finger on the pulse of the cutting edge, not just of social, but of, of marketing, of technology, of business. So I do hope that you will seek him out and, uh, and you know, listen to listen to what he says and and, and follow his advice uh, as I do as well. So uh, everybody, it's been a great 2018. I look forward to more great podcasts next year. I don't know if it's going to be my last one for this year, but I'm sort of in the end of the year mood. But there you have it. Uh, let's start planning for next year. Let's do some great things next year in social media and marketing and business. And thank you again for listening. Final notes, wherever you are in the world, make it a great social day. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Maximize Your Social Podcast. Major key alert. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes so others can enjoy it too. Give them some of that. To continue the conversation and empower your business through social media, visit neilshafer.com. Right now. Have a great week. Let's go. And we'll see you on the next episode.